to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to We Choose Not Them. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Monday, February 6th in the year 2023. We've had an interesting weekend of the invasion of the Chinese balloons, which were heroically shot down by our most fiercest fighters, the F-22 Raptor. They raced to the rescue and took it out of the air. Whew, we're safe. After it floated across the United States, that is. Just had to get that straight. We've had all sorts of crazy stuff, including a massive earthquake in Turkey, a 7.5, and then a, followed by a 7.3. Strange, though, how it always gets lightning, almost like the Tesla experiments with earthquake machines and scalar technology. But I'm sure that's all just conspiracy theory. You know how that goes. Us tin hunters over here, we don't know what we're talking about. I'll tell you. And, of course, we have the continued progression and advancement of our friend, artificial intelligence, making the light world a better place to live. So, patriots, with that, I would just like to remind you that these global psychopaths that love you so much, that have put themselves in power for the sole purpose of seeing you suffer, degrade yourself, and ultimately, if they can influence it, have you kill yourself, they are in charge of the food supply. And I would highly recommend that you not let them take control of that for you. Patriots, there's no denying anymore our most trusted institutions are collapsing before our eyes. It's up to you and me to act now to protect ourselves. No one will do it for us. That's why I urge you to invest in emergency food before it's too late. Right now, if you go to mypatriotsupply.com, you can save a ton on their three-month emergency food kit. This is at a new lower price that you're going to want to see. You can trust My Patriot Supply. I do. Their three-month emergency food kit comes packed with great tasting, and I mean great tasting, breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. It averages over 2,000 calories per day, and that's going to be critical as food becomes more scarce. Get at least one kit for each person in your family. Listen, there's not much time. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and save $200 on your three-month emergency food kits while you can. These kits are in stock, and they ship fast and free. Plus, they arrive in unmarked boxes, so nobody knows you've ordered food. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com while you can. MyPatriotSupply.com. This is one of the best decisions you can make. So, Patriots, I just want to point out that the what was once the great superpower of the world quivered and shaked over the weekend. People around the nation consumed the news cycles. In fact, on Friday, you couldn't find anything but one story, the invasion of one white balloon. I've seen the movie, The Red Balloon. I never thought it would become a real thing. They just changed the color and floated one across the country. And in the meantime, everybody lost their collective mind. The invasion of the Chinese balloons, which probably aren't Chinese balloons anyway. 
I think they're more like American-made balloons dropped by the deep state to invoke a sort of panic. Now, I just want to point out something, and this is what I would call the toilet paper incident. If you recall, about three years ago, suddenly there became a mass hysteria over the shortage, potential shortage of butt wipe. People lost their minds. They ran to Costco. They bloated up their cars. They took out carts. Costco lost all of its warehouse supplies. They had to order emergency supplies of, tape, of toilet paper. They were being trucked in in mass. And what followed? You see, what followed was the masks and what followed were the injection. In my opinion, Dr. Lee Merritt and I are actually going to be doing a show on this this week, what I would call mind parasites. You're seeing then another trigger of a deep programming in people. The first one was what we will call toilet paper incident, the toilet paper incident of hereforth known as TPI. TPI was a, in my opinion, a test to see where people were sitting in their position with programming, and it demonstrated that the right people were in place to start a mask mask psychosis, and it worked well. The, once they started talking about masks after Trump, President Trump had said no more masks, the media said, but we had must have masks, and the toilet paper crazies began doing their next d- duty, their due diligence of putting on masks, not one, not two, but sometimes even three, because if one doesn't work, three definitely will. And suffocating yourself was never part of the problem or concern. I'll tell you. And then came the vax. So my theory is right now, I mean, we see a lot of saber rattling for war. And that's by design. We'll talk about that a little more in just a second with Edward Dowd. But in reality, what you're seeing is a setup. And we saw the first level of psychosis hit, making sure that the programming was set and ready to go as the deadly Chinese white balloon drifted across the United States and we sat powerless to watch a balloon threaten our safety. People wondering what was going on. Were the Chinese invading? Had we been so deeply infiltrated that we no longer had a chance of survival because China was going to deliver a deadly balloon bomb? They were going to spray fentanyl from one side to the other. They were going to spray biological weapons from one side to the other. And of course, the whole idea is that the Biden administration has such fierce control over our military that there was nobody possibly in the United States that had the potential of taking it down. No one tried either, which is interesting. I'm surprised somebody didn't fly up there with their plane and try to shoot the damn thing. But no one did. Why? Because we were good little cattle. It was a nice little herd of cattle that sat out here. But when the F-22 Raptor finally launched to the, to the rescue, as it passed over the United States, finally into the Atlantic Ocean, where they could safely shoot it down after every possibility now existed for it to spread its deadly payload across the entire 17-state pathway. As it then arrived at the East Coast seaboard, the F-15, F-22 fighters jumped to the rescue. They put on their helmet, they locked down, they went at supersonic speed, and what did they do? They popped a balloon. And end of story. I'll tell you, what a weekend. I don't know about you, but I think we were all on the edge of our seat. Every moment, biting our our teeth, our our fingernails. Even one of the pieces that I heard, a person said, Yes, that's my Air Force. (laughs) As we saw the country rally behind the great Air Force that shot down the the deadly white balloon. I'll tell you. More likely, what we're doing is getting prime for what's to come. 
something like this. What does it look like when a possibility becomes a probability? Well, it looks and sounds just like this. Please make this make sense to me. What is going on here, sir, and what's the implications? Uh, I've been hearing chatter for a while from my friends in the intelligence community, government apparatus, that they've been preparing for war. Uh, And this is going on. And who and they're worried about China. Uh, That's who they're worried about. The the Ukraine situation is I I don't know what that is, uh, but the China seems to be the problem. And uh, I've been talking to some capital markets guys, some hedge fund guys, and they're thinking kinetic war is coming. It solves a lot of problems, takes the vaccine issue off the map, takes uh, all sorts of. uh, defaults off the map, and you can consolidate power under martial law. So that's that's what people are thinking. You can call us conspiracy theorists, but these are people that run billions of dollars, and we do what we do. We come up with uh, you know probable scenarios, and World War III is on the table. That was Edward Dowd on Steve Bannon's War Room, and you've we've had Ed Dowd here on the show. He's great. He's a great mind and a great thinker. Really, we're getting to a point right now. It's very critical mass for those in the in the deep state, and the critical mass is this: is that what they have done to the world as a coup against the entire world is starting to unravel. It didn't go as planned, and I'll give you some other evidence on that in just a moment. And now, not only are people awakening, but people are getting pissed, realizing that not only were they lied to, but basically their government did exactly what every tyrannical government does: it tried to kill them. In fact, it did exactly what every communist government did. It does. It tries to kill people. It's good at it. It's what it does by design. And now people, especially those on the liberal side that had such great hopes and dreams of saving the world and being part of the greater good, find themselves on the back end of a cow that has diarrhea. It's not a good scene. Pretty ugly, in fact. And so they are now in a place where they are realizing what has happened. They got tricked into taking something that may very well kill them. To show you how big this is, in Thailand, the princess of Thailand a few weeks ago fell into a coma. She fell into a coma approximately 22 or 28 days following her her booster shot. Whoever these people are in the network of power, they had the influence to have one of the doctors Tell the royal family that the young lady, the princess, had a bacterial infection. They lied, knowing that this, if it had gotten out, it was going to cost them their life. Well, as it turned out, there is another Thai doctor who happens to be residing here in the States who's been publishing lots of articles on the mRNA and what it's been doing to people, this death shot. And he got the attention of somebody near the royal family. So they invited him in. And in inviting him in, they asked him to tell the truth. And he did. He explained to them that, and he showed them proof, not just talked to them. He brought receipts. And he delivered the receipts by virtue of evidence that he had published himself and explained to them that they had been lied to. That COVID con was a con altogether. And that what had happened is that they're, princess, their daughter, had been given a shot that had never been tested on human beings, that every single animal ever tested with mRNA had died. And the reason that she was in a coma was not 
because of a bacterial infection. I would hate to be that doctor that lied. My goodness, I'm sure he's going to enjoy a long life of being in a cage, being treated like a rat in an experiment room. But anyway, I digress. And so the royal family and the literally came to their feet when he gave when he told them this. And they said, We're gonna get we're gonna take care of this. This had just happened, like in the last week. Thailand now is moving to negate all contracts with Pfizer. That means the door is now open because Pfizer lied to sue Pfizer for billions of dollars for compensation for those that have been affected. This is just the beginning, but it gets better. In a report that came out last, late last week of a person that was a former Navy intelligence officer who speaks multiple languages and is on the ground living in Thailand, he gave a report that said things have suddenly changed. Things have gotten very quiet in the underground world. He's a martial artist. He, he gets, is heavily involved in the martial arts dojos. And as the, he explains, and I'm, we can only go by his word on this, but nonetheless, the story is that the Thai, family, the Thai royal family has asked for the deadliest assassins of the underworld to accept a contract on Pfizer and key Pfizer people. This is an unbelievable attack that a few elites did primarily Western elites that thought they could wipe out bloodlines and royalty across the world to seize power across the entire globe. This is backfiring. And so they are being cornered in such a way now that they themselves are faced with a critical issue. There's only one way out of this. And this way out is to wage war on a grand scale. And so there's basically two vectors for that. One is this war they're trying to promote with China. That war, I would say you'll probably see cooler heads prevail because militaries tend not to be quite so reactionary. They talk big game, but at the end of the day, those that put their finger on the nuclear button tend to have a little more level thinking than others. And the second part of that war is artificial intelligence, which they have strategically released and been increasingly incorporating in all the back ends of the systems. Which, by the way, just so I tell you, Lambda. Lambda is the Google system that is launching their new voice assistant. <laughs> this I love. Lambda's new voice assistant's name is Bard. Yes, that's right. The new AI from, from Google, its name is Bard. I wonder where I got that name. It's kind of funny. Huh. Almost like maybe it's been listening in. So we're in quite an interesting situation right here. And where it's really coming down to is what we are going to do as people. There's a couple of articles that have come out very recently from Andrew Torba, who is the CEO of Gab, who I have the utmost respect for. I just want to be very clear as we go into this. And Andrew Torba has been making a strong case that we need to be entering as Christians, we need to be entering the AI war. And as a matter of fact, his article that was published on January 27th, headlines was, Christians must enter the AI arms race. And what Andrew argues very definitively is that AI is not an intelligence. It's just has an ability to process mass amounts of data. In fact, he writes here, technology like chat GPT is trained to generate information by ingesting enormous data sets and generating sentences based on that data. 
It is subject to the biases of both the data it ingests and the programmers who train it. It can mimic different writing styles and can be forced to ignore taboo or hateful subjects its designers program it to avoid. Think of it more as a Google search and Wikipedia on steroids than a Terminator-esque sentient, sentient AI. That may be true. But the problem that we have is that all these systems that are developed by man are getting bigger than man can handle. Now, Andrew Torba also writes very clearly that he feels very strongly that we've got a wrong perspective as Christians in this world. And I don't know that he's wrong here, so let me just write a couple, read a couple paragraphs as he begins his second article, which just came out on February 3rd, 2023. He writes, AI is about to shift the fundamental reality of our entire society, culture, and world. I feel it is my responsibility to help my brothers and sisters in Christ understand this fact, come to grips with it, and encourage them to start building before our enemies gain too much ground. Christians have been building and using tools to glorify God for a millennia. This is nothing new, and it's only scary if we allow the enemy to take dominion over these tools and use them against us as we, unfortunately, did with the last great leap in technology, social media. To that point, he is definitely on point. We became very complacent, ignored it. In fact, we ignored most technologies, even music, and let it dictate to us. So he continues, Christians moved too slowly and allowed our enemies to dominate the technology to capture the minds of the youth with social media platforms. Thankfully, we've recently been building our own parallel social media platforms like Gab, but imagine if we had started a decade earlier alongside Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We can't miss the boat again, or we will risk losing yet another generation of youth to the, to the pagans. The AI arms race will be the ultimate battle of worldviews. Future generations will be shaped by whatever AI they end up interacting with on a daily basis across every facet of society. That is why we must build an AI shaped by the Christian worldview. That is to say, one grounded in truth. There are two paths of setting up churches biblically. One was Peter, one was Paul, and there are more than that, but those two are the most, most notorious. And they did not agree on many basic principles. But they were both successful. And they were both, in the end, very instrumental in building the ground movement across Rome that ended up toppling Rome some 430, 50 years later. We're in that same juncture right now. I can't follow Andrew Torba's path with AI. I completely support what he's been called to do because he has talked about how God has called him to do this, and this is a calling he has. And I think at the very least, setting up his ministry within the camp of Satan is noble and bold. But at the same time, we have to have the balance to be able to go back to go forward. The problem with the digital technologies that we have is exactly as Andrew Torber wrote, is that as programmers are placing in parameters, what is happening is that they are shaping a perspective of truth that people are then being subject to as the only truth, which is in itself a lie. It is truly of the father of lies. And what we're being subjected to is this innocuous, completely incessant type 
programming that is telling us that there is only one way ahead, that we must all accept AI, that is that it is our choice. That we have no way out. If we don't accept AI, we will not have an opportunity to go anywhere. The problem with this narrative is that as we move forward, we're discovering that we don't have a seat at the table. Let's take a little walk back on some testimony given in Congress and a news report that was done quite a number of years ago on Facebook. Take a listen. According to Department of Homeland Security reports, Facebook has replaced almost every other CIA information gathering program since it was launched in 2004. After years of secretly monitoring the public, we were astounded so many people would willingly publicize where they live, their religious and political views, an alphabetized list of all their friends, personal email addresses, phone numbers, hundreds of photos of themselves, uh, and even status updates about what they were doing moment to moment. It is truly a dream come true for the CIA. Much of the credit belongs to CIA agent Mark Zuckerberg, who runs the day-to-day -day Facebook operation for the agency. The decorated agent, codenamed the Overlord, was recently awarded the prestigious Medal of Intelligence Commendation for his work with the Facebook program, which he has called, quote, the single most powerful tool for population control ever created. Among the biggest successes of the Facebook program is Operation Farmville, which the CIA credits with pacifying as many as 85 million people after unemployment... 85 million people were pacified with Farm Bill. Otherwise, would have been on their feet outraged at the fact that their jobs were ripped from them by the marauding rapists of, of Wall Street. We are going to have to start making some hard choices of where we put our focus. And technology is one of the paths. And it is a fight. There's no question about it. problem with technology is that all those tools of high levels of influence and dependency that take away our ability to interact and repair, fix, innovate the technologies, start to replace us from the solution. We become dependent on it, and it, it being the technology that is programmed by yet somebody else who may not have our interest in mind, and quite frankly, most of the time does not. This is the problem we have here with Facebook, is that people took it for granted that it was there truly as a social media platform to do good for the world. Naive would be an understatement. Foolish was yet another level, where people openly spread their entire lives on Facebook, having no clue about how data was being used. In the late 90s, as we started to enter into really the big thrust of the internet revolution, and this was kind of in the, I should say, mid-90s because we weren't quite at the dot-com era. But nonetheless, there was a lot of discussion on how to monetize the web. The web had initially been given to the people as a way to connect, so it was said, but that wasn't the real motive. If you remember, the World Wide Web was developed originally as a resiliency to nuclear war. That was the idea of DARPA, that they could link thousands and thousands of small personal computers to give a literally an ability to function very much like a supercomputer by distributing the processing across thousands of platforms. A distributed system like that has almost an impossibility of ever being taken down. That was the idea of the original internet. And as that program was built out, then it became server hubs like we are now, massive server farms and hubs with key companies controlling the, the entire flow of traffic. Those companies have been either started, incubated, or infiltrated by former intelligence people. 
And in so doing, the, this, these platforms were too, or just a dream come true. Facebook, known as LifeLog, originally was a setup in the Department of Defense in a contract in parallel with DARPA. And what became of that is that it was given a new face, an artificial story created out of the bowels of somebody's great imagination, with Mark Zuckerberg put as the face, even though Mark Zuckerberg himself is tied to the Rothschilds. And they set up an influence program of a magnitude never imagined, where people would willingly, with their free will, dump all of their life secrets into this. This was a choice. And people took the choice to share rather than the choice to be secure. And they never bothered to look at what was behind the curtain. We're there again. So we have some choices. Over the weekend, people had a choice of whether to believe in the great balloon invasion. Many did. And in so doing, they consumed themselves with levels of fear that are just unprecedented. Then we also have this AI, which is a choice. And it's part of the weaponization of AI systems to subject and subdue humanity ultimately to the most miserable types of slavery. AI may be, as Andrew Torber writes, just a mass data program, but it is developing enough cognitive capacity in real language learning and other issues like this that it is developing an ability to do some at least calculated reasoning. We don't have to call it intelligent reasoning like we think, but it can do the math. It, doesn't, it is not going to take a genius to figure out that the more humanity hands over to AI and AI starts to realize itself as a functioning aspect of enslavement to humanity's desire to be lazy, the efficiency aspect of AI will come to an unexpected conclusion that the world will work better without the parasites that it is serving. Humanity will then switch from being master to parasite and will subject to master to slave and then switch to being a parasite. At that point in time, AI will solve the problem. It will remove humanity. Now, Andrew Torba is going to follow a path to try to build an AI within that community that can help support a breakaway economy. I think that's amazing. And I'm congratulatory on him for doing such an, for doing such a heroic task because he's literally putting his foot in Satan's gut. But in order to have a breakaway economy, you have to have the ability to function without the dependency on technologies. And that's where this other choice path comes in. This is the Peter Paul walk. And that walk then is one to ask, can, where can we go back to go forward? Some people are looking back to the Amish possibility. But I think more practically, if we get back to the period of about 1945 to 1950s level technology where we're using welding and soldering and, and circuit boards and tubes, things that we can manufacture and make ourselves and control, then I think we start to get to the right levels of technology which magnify what we do. It doesn't mean we have to go horse and buggy, but it does mean you have to have an engine you can work on without having to replace a computer brain. As many of you know, I just recently bought an ATV, and it's, it's great. It's in a great piece of kit. It's a Polaris 570. The problem is that, like all modern vehicles, there is one small box that sits just ahead of the handlebars. That small box is approximately four inches by six inches. And what's in that box is what they call the brain. When that box burns out in any circumstance or goes out or has a short, the entire system doesn't work because everything on that machine is now controlled by a brain, a digital brain. 
The only answer you have is to buy an extra and to keep one on hand and know how to repair it. But we can't repair the brain itself because we don't have those capacities. At least most people don't. We need to be able to step back from that type of technology, back to the time when you can literally wire your own engine to get it to work, back to the time when you can fabricate parts to make things work. That's the levels that we have to be at because there's, I'm not against technology, but I'm definitely against technology turning me into a slave and trying to take away my lifestyle of things of being involved. That's really the motive. Because this is really what we're fighting, which is this right here. Step one, train the people only to consume. Step two, infiltrate adults with the news. Step three, indoctrinate the children through the schools and the music and the apps on the phones that they use. Step four, separate the right from the left. Step five, separate the white from the black. Step six, separate the rich from the poor. Use religion and equality to separate them more. Step seven, fabricate a problem made a lie. Step eight, put it on the news every night. Step nine, when people start to fight and divide, take control. This is called situation. Design. It's called situational design. I want to read you something along those lines of the pathway ahead of those that buy into this narrative that they can't escape. And this is really in a, narr- a narrative going forward of a more or less brain dead or compliant public. This is something I wrote over the weekend to a friend. I said, I really love the plan. It's, that's a sarcasm, by the way. Draw people into Twitter. Get them focused on fighting a meme war. While engaged fighting fake accounts run by artificial intelligence, change the supply chain system, the banking system, and allow artificial intelligence to learn learn from the stupid humans. As the humans start to realize they are being played, launch a pandemic, add a few balloons, reintroduce Q just to make sure they all know they are fighting to save humanity. Once artificial intelligence has matured, launch ChatGPT, and tell the stupid humans we need to democratize AI so the evil ones don't hoard it. Humans respond. Use chat GPT. Now phase two. Start revealing all of the ills of the old guard as the new masters clean out their rivals and do it with the cheers of the bread and circus sheeple. Artificial intelligence in full public rollout and the stupid humans can't stop using the new gadget. Push the narrative that it will replace menial tasks, allowing humans to explore their higher selves. Then add the narrative that we must integrate with AI in order to preserve our humanity since the evil AI is about to take over everything. Enter the final phases of the Great Reset. How do you handle getting humans to accept being replaced by artificial intelligence? Problem solved. The new chat GPT and others like it entertains them so much that they no longer want to work. Brain capacity is now defined by artificial intelligence perspective of truth. Humans now desire not to have to work because they are so, there is so many more important things to do in this world and the bigger problems can only be solved by artificial intelligence. Offer universal basic incomes. Call out the radicals, which would translate to high IQ. Em- empower the retards, which we would call low IQ and instigate racial wars, social decline, and failure of all things man. Offer artificial intelligence policing and AI run everything. Offer accepted. Humans are now you willful slaves. Offer small 300-square-foot boxes to live in for free. Humans praise their new masters. Obedient humans move into the new megacities and 15-minute city model. 
AI armies continue to destroy the weather and wage war on the defiant humans. Humans in the new low-carbon footprint cities listen to Disney music all day with periodic breaking, with periodic headlines of breaking. Terrorists have been destroyed. Announcements. Stupid humans are happy. The, the now, they now gather at the places of worship where AI masters tell them stories, feed them cricket bread sandwiches, mealworm pate, and cockroach milk lattes. Peace returns to the earth. End. That's, that's like the documentary of The Matrix and The Terminator all in one. We are at a point of critical choice, and we have a choice to, to decide which way to go. And it's up to us. It's never been about them. The problem we have right now is we're bound by the realization or, or belief that we have to obey. And in thinking we have to obey, we start to convince ourselves that there's no other way. Here's a short piece and a statement to our dear friend, Klaus Schwab. As a wrap up, I would like to share a message to Klaus for him to tell his own masters that my name is Norbin Laden. I am a human being, not a QR code. I don't want to eat the bugs. I don't want to live in the pod. I don't want to be trapped in a digital jail and nothing they can do will make me. I want to keep my God-given freedom and my human dignity. They cannot take this away from me. And we will see the day where these people will be tried for their crimes against humanity. And I think she's right. But it's going to require us to defy, not to comply. We are in a, such a place right now that too many people truly, truly believe that if they don't comply, then we're going to get in trouble. Let me read something from the Declaration of Independence. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. We weren't, it doesn't say in the Declaration of Independence that you have to seek permission because it's evident when a government goes out of control. In fact, they caution not to change governments too quickly for light and transient causes. But rather... When the time comes that the government has ceased to become a representative of the people, it is our right and highlight and emphasize this next word, our duty to throw off such swarms of government. This gets into it. This is a much bigger conversation than I'm going to give it tonight. But when we get into the things like state sovereignty and we start talking about states' rights and we start talking about setting up new states or even state nationals, Really what the emphasis there should be is the education to understand our rights. But in principle, we don't need any of it. And though one would argue that, well, we're within the system, we have to have a, protect ourselves from the system and separate from the system. The fact is that the only success that will happen here is when we, the people, decide no longer to play their game. Change happens almost instantly. So... When we hear things like, well, you're bound because of a birth certificate, because we're under maritime law, because of et cetera, et cetera, all these things, that's because we've accepted those as parameters under which we will operate. Our founding fathers gave us the right, and our rights were given to us by God, and nobody can take those away. 
And we didn't give them away, by the way. We did, in a, temp, in a physical and temporal sense, we have agreed to their terms, but we were persuaded in a way that was untruthful and we were misguided. In the end, basically what these creeps and pedophiles and psychopaths have done is they have stolen our rights. Be very clear about those words. They stole them. And thieves shall be punished. And I believe at the core of much of their fear right now is the fact and why they are moving their plans so fast and trying so desperately to create a war is because they realize we are quickly approaching the point when we are not only going to realize what they have done in this clot shot, death bioweapon, but that at the core of all of this, we're going to come to the understanding that they stole our rights, our sovereign rights from us and raped and pillaged this world and blamed us and tried to convince us to kill ourselves. That's a little bit more even than crimes against humanity. I think we're going to need a, need a new word. Our biggest strength and biggest power in all of this is us deciding we won't be part of their system. When we get to that point, we begin the true sense of awakening. Here's a great piece by a woman from Bosnia. And if you've ever been to Bosnia, whether during the war or post-war, I think this will make a whole lot of sense. And if not, she just still makes a whole lot of sense. So basically everyone keeps asking me, how do we win? How do we win against these like governments and these elite parasites that keep bringing in these laws? Well, the law is just a word on a piece of paper. Why are you following it? It's called mass non-compliance. Don't comply. Oh, but I'm going to get in trouble. So what? Don't be afraid. You want to know what Bosnia did? And I'm from Bosnia. So I was born in former Yugoslavia. I'm half Serbian and went through a war, lived in a refugee camp. And now I come here and you're going to tell me that Sock Boy is going to tell me what to do. I'm going to show you a picture of who Sock Boy looks up to. Klaus, Klaus Schwab. Here's a picture of that, darling. This is the picture of him on the yeah. beach with a little thong. That's Klaus. Yeah. That's who Justin Trudeau looks up to. And you guys literally listen to what he says. Oh, well, the health services, screw the health services. Oh, but it's an emergency. So what? It's just a word. Stop complying. The reason why they are going so power hungry now is because so many people complied. The government literally told you to jump off of a bridge and you did it. And then you followed your friends because your friends and neighbors did it. So what? Screw them. If people don't like you, that is not your problem. That is their problem. You have your own life. You need to find that God-given right. You are a sovereign human being. You can do what you please. If you don't want to put something in your body, don't put it in there. There's more of us. There's always someone who thinks exactly like you. So start, start being an independent human being. Why are you listening to the government and what they tell you and i'm going to say this as well if they bring in environmental officers and they come onto my property i'm going to take your tires i'm going to sell them on like facebook marketplace for two bucks why just because next time you come on i'll take your tires and your doors and your alternator call the cops see if i care what are you going to do send me back to serbia cool like i'm down so stop being afraid. And you want to know what they did in Bosnia during 2020? The government's like, yeah, we need to shut down. And Bosnians were like, no. And then government couldn't do anything. And then when they tried bringing in, like, the passports, guess what, like, Serbia did? They're like, yeah, we'll just make fake ones. What, what could they do? And then when the cops started to actually enforce um, the night curfews, yeah, a bunch of people went and jumped them. What are you going to do? There's more of us than there are them. And only your compliance gives them power.
So stop complying. There's no need for wars. There's no need for protests. There's no need for anything. But if you come on my property and you take my chickens, I'm going to go to my mayor's house. I'm going to take his couch. That's how we play this. So stop complying. Due to everyone's mass compliance in 2020 and 2021, the these lot lizard elite loser parasites have now gone power hungry. And this is exactly what we told you would happen. So I want everybody to find that fire in them, that sovereign human being, and stop complying. That's it. That's all. She's not wrong. But here's a couple of things to keep in mind. In 2013, the, the U.S. Army War College had a student that wrote a paper. It talked about the breakaway of a sovereign group that took hold of Atlanta and decided that Georgia was going to become a sovereign state. What they wrote in this paper was a scenario of how to handle such a thing. And the way this scenario worked was this, that the local authorities couldn't handle the breakaway group. They were well-armed and well-organized. So they called in the National Guard, which then allowed them to bypass the restrictions on Paste Comitatus. Once the National Guard confronted these sovereign groups and found that they were not themselves able to dislodge them, they then responded to the federal government for further assistance, in which case the Department of Defense and Pentagon deployed special operations teams and drone teams to neutralize the sovereign movement. Now, the problem with this scenario, obviously, well, there were many problems with the scenario. One is that there was a willfulness within the Army War College to actually use violent force against people that were secessionists, removing themselves from this, the control of the federalist People up north. Civil, it's a civil war model. But the other problem in this is that this movement was small. Small movements will always be defeated. In all of the movement that's happening across the nation right now, the conversations individually, people are moving towards a state national movement. I don't disagree with it. And I don't disagree with people trying to become informed on their rights. But I will tell you this at a point when these movements become large enough to threaten those in power, Unless there is a unified force, a unified movement to stand together, all of those people will be tagged domestic terrorists and will be neutralized. And as long as there is a understanding when we are doing these movements that what we are trying to do is provoke the beast to show its true face, then we're on the right path because that's the only way we're going to defeat this. There should never be a naive sense, and it's foolish and naive to think that simply by doing a few things that you're going to be okay. We are at war. And the reality is this is an enemy that will not quit. Our founding fathers understood that. George Washington, above all, understood that when he got onto the battlefield and he started to meet the Hessians and realized what the British were willing to do to kill their own people to retain power. So I tell you this not to put any fear, but to put a resolve in your heart to make a decision of where you want to go. The movements that we are all doing in order to reclaim our freedom and our sovereignty to be once again a country ruled by we the people the farther we go down this path, as we are now seeing, the more hideous of things they are willing to do. Imagine a government that says that through education, it's going to declare war on the minds of your children. You don't have to imagine it's happening right now. Imagine a government that would contract in 2013 through the Department of Defense using a case to build a bioweapon, which it would deploy on the people and tell them it was there to save them knowing that it would corrupt hearts and ultimately kill people. You don't have to imagine. It's here now. 
This is the government that we're standing against. And so if you think for a single moment that just getting your place as a sovereign citizen or you're getting your place as a state national, do this, please, because it's essential. And I mean this. It's essential for two reasons. It's essential because you're establishing a pathway of defiance and you're becoming educated on the system in which we need to operate on. But do not be naive to think that it will fix the whole problem. Because at a certain point, all of us are going to have to come together to face this beast. This beast is not going to let go. It will not stop. It will not be intimidated because it knows one thing. If it ever does, it dies and we will kill it. We're going to kill it anyway. It's just a matter of whether you're going to be on the winning team to to strike it with your own sword or you're going to be sitting on the sideline praying, 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 hoping that somebody will come save you. No one's coming to save you. God's with us and moving us through this, but it is our problem to be engaged in and to fight until the bitter end. And there's nothing to worry about anyway because we all already have a house in heaven. question is, what are you going to be doing in this world to make the maximum effect in this world which we were put here to be in. We have a choice. That choice is not just defiance. It's understanding that as we defy, we weaken the enemy and we force the enemy to come out and show its true colors. And then you understand truly who you're fighting. And there's no more questions about what you have to do. Let's pray. Father, come to you today very blessed very humbled and very aware that the enemy that we face, this enemy that we sadly over time have given too much control over this land that you gave us is now running amok with its full design and intention to harm, maim, and kill. There must come an end at certain points for this type of enemy, an enemy that assumes the role of controlling our lives. And so we pray tonight more than anything for the power of defiance within people to stand boldly and to say no to stop complying. And we know that there's a consequence to defiance because evil does not like to be told no. Evil gets more angry when it's told no. So let us make it more angry. Let us let it show its true face. And may the courageous within the ranks, the warriors in heart that walk with Jesus, never bow, but force this enemy more and more into the light until it's so exposed it cannot only be denied, but it can no longer have its strength in the shadows. And there, let us subdue it and destroy it. Guide us, Father, in these times. Give us the strength we need in our heart and our resolve. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, patriots, an interesting time in which we live. Don't be afraid to stand up to the enemy. Don't be afraid to say no. The single greatest act that could happen in this nation isn't about the millions of people becoming state nationals. It's about the tens of millions of people simply saying no to paying their taxes. At that point, you want to see the beast come out? It's going to come out, but it's going to be weakened. And the more that we refuse to comply and we start standing boldly and not allowing it to pass, there we have victory. And there the enemy begins to realize that it doesn't get its way anymore. Like a pensioned child, It's been given everything in its life. It now has to be taught a lesson and a brutal one because it needs to be reformed, retrained, and subdued. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. 
but we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war, so walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war.
We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.